This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, sending all of my love to all of my people up there. Gary Hines, Pastor McAfee, Chad Larson, mighty obstacles leader at AM 950 Radio. It's a joy to be with you today, and I want to talk with you about January 6th. It's Friday, January 6th, the second anniversary of that momentous event. Oh, it was an awful thing to see. It's frightening, frightening, so unsettling. And so much is still unsettled about January 6th. I want to know what your thoughts are about it as we watch uh, several days without a Speaker of the House. That has tremendous implications for our global standing, our economy, the business of Congress, which is uh, the purse for our nation's government. The business of Congress can't go through without a Speaker of the House. Uh, the third person in succession, in line of succession to, to the presidency, well, we don't have that right now. We don't have that. So what is going to happen there? George Santos. Did you know George Santos, uh, this troublesome U.S. House of Representatives, uh, soon-to-be member, he's Congressman Santos-elect, uh, indeed, if that is his name, but there's so much about him, everything in his in his life story, it turns out, has everything that we know now has been involved. You know, that was a Democratic seat that he flipped. And he flipped it under false pretenses. Should he have been seated? I know I'm throwing a lot at you today, but I want you to think. I want you to think, and I want you to understand. We were there last night with... Um, Congressman-elect Jackson, Congressman-elect Dahlia Ramirez. It was so good to see her in particular. I haven't seen her since we've been here. And um, and Hakeem Jeffries, soon uh, to be leader. Jeffries, it was wonderful. And last night, he quite warmly into his office. We took pictures. I'll be posting them uh, in a short while. And um, interestingly enough, we stood outside of Chambers to give you a little bit of background. And... Um, to all these congresspersons who were coming over to Reverend Jackson, taking pictures with them, Democrats and Republicans. They just, I guess, acknowledged him 60 years plus of work. And one of the persons who bounded down the stairs was Marjorie Taylor Greene. Many people would have expected Marjorie Taylor Greene to have walked past Reverend or to have done something rude. She did not do that at all. In fact, she stopped. She, uh, she stopped, talked to him, and shook his hand. Sir, it's an honor to meet you. And, um, and they spoke for a moment. She said, you know, uh, Congresswoman, I, I'd like to speak with you. And she said, sir, I would, I would welcome that. Think about that, everybody. You can't reconcile with people unless you talk to them. I'm not saying you're going to agree with them, but we must open up lines of communication. We must blow up our politics. I'm not saying that anything will come of this, but I am saying this. The door is open because no one was hostile. And even her staff were very, very embracing and kind. And so I want you to think about that today as we really try to plow our way through this very, very difficult moment. The last time something like this has happened when we have not had a Speaker of the House was 1923. Don't let that time period be lost on you. That was the Gilded Age, which is what we've been living through, too, where you saw extreme wealth. 
and the masses were extremely poor in the United States of America. And that was a period that led into the Great Depression, but it was also a time of great social dynamism. I'm not going to say instability, but you had communists, you had socialists, you had Republicans, Democrats, you had so many different parties, you had so many different points of view that were looking for a way to establish equality in America. You had poor people who were sitting in on, we had the poor people's campaign was not the first campaign of its sort. We saw things like that in the 20s where white Americans came and sat in on the Capitol saying, you've got to feed me. I'm working. I go, so think about that, everybody. So let's get right to it on January 6th. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. Give me your thoughts about what's happening in Congress right now. Give me your thoughts about January 6th. Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts about what you think the big story of the week is. So let's get right to it in Chicago. It will be cloudy today, 35 degrees, Minneapolis, St. Paul, 17 degrees, partly cloudy. In the NBA, the Bulls will be playing the 76ers tonight, and the Clippers will be playing the Timberwolves. And uh, in the NFL tomorrow, you have the Chiefs and the Raiders, the Titans and the Jaguars and the Browns and the Steelers. Tonight, Chicago will be playing the Coyotes in the NHL. And, of course, Minnesota has the night off. Still no speaker, everybody. Still no speaker after 11 rounds of votes. Kevin McCarthy is furiously looking to establish. Um, he is not letting go. So what do you think about that, everybody? Call me at 773-763-19. I see 773-763-9278. The battle for the House Speaker will resume for the fourth day today, should he concede or should he continue? Let me know what you think. As the fight for the gavels drags on, it has now become the longest speaker contest in 164 years. Each failed vote only increases pressure on McCarthy to drop out, but he's not. Why isn't he dropping out? Well, he has 90% of the votes in this caucus. It's a lot, everybody. What do you think, everybody? Two years since January 6, 2021, the attack on the Capitol. Security officials are preparing for a wave of planned protests in this area. We certainly pray that they will not be violent. All 32 teams in the NFL are set for their final scheduled regular season games this weekend, but many players across the league are contemplating an emotional return, according to the CNN report, to the field in the wake of the Damar, oh, excuse me, Damar Hamlin mid-game cardiac arrest. That has just really shaken the league and has shaken the world. Why do you think that is? Call me, 773-763-9278. Just 24 years of age. It turns out he is beginning to make some progress. He's awake in the hospital. Uh, the doctors say that he is neurologically sound and is moving his hands and feet. News that has elicited relief from supporters. And so let's just take it one day at a time, everybody, because we want him to be well. Let us get to Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, the author of I See You, Sis. I See You, Sis. And I see you, and I embrace you, my sister, this morning. It's a joy to be with you. Good you. The joy is all mine. <laughs> the joy is all mine. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy Today, I want to talk about putting it in reverse. One of the things that I really could never understand, Santita, and I hope I'm not the only one, 
is daylight savings time. I understand how it works and I understand why we do it. But to me, it has never really made much sense. However, the goal of daylight savings time is to make better use of daylight, right? By prolonging the amount of time we spend outside during daylight hours. And as we all know, most Americans today spring forward. We turn our clocks ahead and lose an hour on the second Sunday in March at 2 a.m. And then we fall back. We turn our clocks back again an hour on the first Sunday in November at 2 a.m. But I want to encourage somebody or ask a question. More than daylight savings time, don't you wish there was a daily life savings time, <laughs> a clock mm-hmm. that you could roll forward or back based on the conditions of your daily life? If given the opportunity, what aspiration would you spring forward to achieve? Or if given the opportunity, what clock would you fall back to reverse some maybe negative words that you've said? I can hear Cher singing, if I could turn back time, if I could oh. find a way back all those words that have hurt you and you'd stay. I know, don't know why I did the things I did. I don't know why I said the things I said. A pride life like a knife. It can cut deep inside. Words are like weapons. They wound sometimes. More than daylight savings time, don't you all wish there was a daily life savings time? A, a metronome for measuring mistakes. A big bend to buffer all your blunders. An alarm to alleviate every cast dispersion. A timepiece for tempering temptations or pendulum for pacing persecutions. I don't know about you, but I don't believe we need light saving as much as we need life saving. And it's interesting, as we go through all of this political turmoil right now, somehow, Santita, the Senate supposes themselves suited for the task. Because last March, the U.S. Senate passed legislation that would make daylight savings time permanent, starting in 2023. And while I appreciate the Senate approving this measure known as the Sunshine Protection Act, I have my reservations because I don't exactly know how you protect that which is greater than you. I understand the purpose of daylight savings time, but perhaps we've given it too much power because it seems that somewhere along the way, we were made to believe that our clocks dictate the rotation of the earth. When in actuality, it's the earth that dictates the rotation of our clocks. Every day holds 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, and 86,400 seconds. And every one of them is a precious gift from God. Time is something we never have enough of, yet we give it away so easily. Someone once said time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once you've lost it, you can never get it. Back. So excuse me if I choose to put every second in the hands of the Savior only over the Senate. And there was nobody arguably in the history of biblical personalities who understood how precious time is more than Hezekiah. Hezekiah is sick, laying on his deathbed, where he, when he gets a prophecy, a visit from the prophet Isaiah saying that you are going to die, that you will not recover from this disease. And while I'm sure in this moment, Hezekiah would have loved to receive a diagnosis from a practitioner. Instead, he's met with a devastating diagnosis from a prophet. God said, set your house in order. You will die. You will not recover. But just when Hezekiah believed he wouldn't recover, God put it in reverse. But the first thing Hezekiah had to do was reverse his posture. He turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. I'm telling somebody this morning that perhaps the prayer you've been praying requires you to reverse your 
posture. I have found that when you turn around and posture, God turns things around in your favor. And what prayer did he pray? He said, remember now, O Lord, I implore you, I have walked with you in faithfulness with a whole heart and has done what is good in your sight. 28 words changed God's mind. I wonder if there's anybody today who's living the kind of life that in 28 words, you could convince God to put it in reverse. Maybe you thought you left something in 2022 that you'll never go back and get. I'm here to tell you today, God can back that thing up in your favor. If you live the kind of life that's pleasing to God, Hezekiah never talked about his accomplishments. He always talked about his relationship. I want somebody to know today that this ain't about your work. It's about your walk. God is more concerned about your character than your cribs, your virtues than your victories, your respectability than your capability. So is there anybody here that wants God to put it in reverse, to back it up in your favor, so that you can go back and get some things that you thought you left in 2022? I want to tell you today, it's not over. Because if God made the rules, God can reverse the rules. We are so eager to press forward, to progress forward, and prosper for it. But I want somebody to learn today what God can do with the blessing of backwards. So if you left it in 22, go get it because God can put it in reverse. And that's the good news. Oh, you are so anointed. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to give you this with our pastor, Reverend Clay Evans used to say. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he's done for you. With arms wide open, he'll welcome you. It is no secret that God can put it in reverse. I love it. <laughs> Pardon me, Reverend. I know you're in heaven. I don't you going out there inside my head. Ooh, that's what he used to be. Kind of used to tap you on the end if you were singing well or something. But I love you. And everyone, please get Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams' book, I See You, Sis. These kinds of insights that she gives us every Friday, that's in that book. I promise you before the Lord, it's going to bless you. And it's going to bless men and women. Women and men. Get the book, because we need to fully see each other as the blessings that we are. I love you, Pastor. I love you, too. Have a phenomenal day. You stay right here, because I've got, I have got Dr. Shanina Knight, and I have a question for her, brilliant infection preventionist, uh, with a registered nurse, college professor, <laughs> research scientist. Everyone has been riveted by the, by the Jamar Hamlin story. And this massive cardiac arrest, they had to resuscitate him twice, Dr. Knighton, twice um, within minutes. How do you know, was there any sign, do you think there's any sign that he ignored that his heart was in trouble, that there's just coming through heart attacks come out the blue? The five minutes, you got him. Good morning, Santita. I just want to say, first and foremost, like the daunting thing about this is that I think has a lot of people perplexed is we know that things happen in terms of it being a rarity, but the shock is that this is an athlete. This is someone that has to undergo regular medical evaluations, is training on a regular basis, and it's a shock, meaning... You know, this is something typically you would expect unless they happen to someone that's older, someone that's unhealthy, someone that does have, like, let's say, a sedentary lifestyle. 
So there's still so many unknowns, you mm. know, that are a part of the situation right now. Unfortunately, there are conditions such as, let's say, Wernicke disease and, you know, conditions to where individuals have heart issues and it's not caught in time because, let's say, maybe back then we didn't have the technology to detect it. I'm not telling you we can't rule out, like, you know, more recent possibilities. I know we know that myocarditis is associated, you know, with the vaccines, and mm-hmm. that cannot be ignored also because that is something that the CDC shares. And this young man would fall into that demographic of age as well as race for being at high risk for having some sort of heart condition as a result of being vaccinated. And that is just a fact. That is what is on the CDC's website. However, it is also important to note as well that as we continue to advance in science, continue to advance in technology, things that we have available now may have not been available then to be able to pick up certain congenital heart defects, such as, let's say, Wernicke disease. I'm familiar with Wernicke disease because, unfortunately, a very good colleague of mine had a situation of long story short, and I'm speaking wrong. It's not really Wernicke disease. There is, it's just, it starts with a W, though, and I know I'm drawing a blank on it right now. But long story short, I had a very good friend whose son was an athlete who played soccer, long story short, left home. And when I'm looking at the timeline, I kid you not, this was about, you know, six, six seven years ago, which would have made him, let's say, uh, you know, DeMar Hamlin's age. But he left home and never returned. And when they found that baby, he was on the side of the road and his heart had stopped. And there was the explanation that this was the condition that he had and that they did not diagnose it early enough. So this young man had been playing sports. He had been doing all of these things for the longest time and didn't recognize that that was even a condition. Hmm. Wow. So all to say, mm-hmm. No, no, you know, this is really, this has taken everybody by storm. And I don't think we're having as full a discussion about this as we should, because I think that we need to also be looking at myocarditis and say he had bad reaction to, to, the, to the shot. Okay. Everybody doesn't. Everybody doesn't. So, but that should be part of, that should be part of the discussion if he had a congenital defect. With all of our children playing these sports, they should be, should be stronger screenings, and people should should not be flushed out the system if you find that someone has a congenital issue. And so, you know, the last these last thirty seconds, where do what is our takeaway from this from this moment? Because it's a teachable moment, as as challenging as it is. It is to understand. That, again, as science continues to evolve, there are conditions and things that maybe we are unaware of that maybe we don't catch. I'm not telling you that this is the answer. I'm not telling you that this is the result. I'm not telling you that this man had any signs and symptoms before that could have made him aware that he would have been in this situation. Mm-hmm. Is that he had first responders available there? to be able to get him the best amount of treatment in the quickest amount of time. 
With that being said, I strongly recommend that the takeaway from this is that people have their emergency contact list set up, that they have access to other individuals when they are in distress and in a situation that is unfavorable, and that you practice what an emergency response would look like just in case you are in that situation. A lot of times when we fail, when we die, it is because we are not prepared for these unexpected tragedies. Get prepared for that rainy day, everybody. Get your raincoat, get that umbrella. Love you, Dr. Shmina. Hey, Dr. Nina, that's her handle, everybody. Follow her. Let's talk about January 6th, George Santos and the Speaker, Chip, on the House of Representatives on the San Peter Jackson Show. Back in a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. It's January 6th, January 6th, second anniversary of January 6th. And I want to hear from you. What does that mean to you? And how do you think that resonates into what we're dealing with today on Capitol Hill? We still do not have a Speaker of the House after four days. You can't really conduct regular business when the House has no head. You can't do anything when a body has no head. You know what I'm saying? You're not alive. Hey, think about that. Think about that. The power of the purse rests in the lower chamber. The lower chamber. Not with the Senate. With the House. the people's house. They're the ones who quote control the budget. The money. No money gets to the American people but through the House of Representatives. They and the Speaker of the House is the third in line uh, to uh, the third in succession line to the presidency. So we have a vacancy here. That's a, that's a problem. That's a problem. So we need to know what's going on. The last time we saw this was 100 years ago. And what was happening 100 years ago? 1923, we had a gilded age. We had massive, uh, massive unemployment. We had massive poverty. And we had massive Political dynamism, I'll put it that way, and social instability, because people were so angry watching these, watching the extreme wealth at the top and the extreme poverty in the, with the masses that continued to grow and grow and grow until everything burst in 1929. Think about that, everybody. Think about it 100 years ago, but this, and we have not had this kind of fight for the speakership in 164 years. There's a lot going on. I want to know what you're thinking. What about George Santos, who has one of those crucial votes? Congressman-elect Santos from New York flipped a Democratic district under false pretenses. We don't even know who he is. So did he really win that seat fairly and squarely? We do know this. Hakeem Jeffries, who we had a chance to see last night. Hakeem Jeffries has won every vote. Now, that's the untold story. Yeah, you could say, well, you know, he did win. No, no. The winner has won 11 times, and he's not seated. Think about that, y'all. Call me at 773-763-9278. Let me go to you and everyone. I'm sending much love to Stanley today, one of our morning stars, one of our founding morning stars. I love you, Stanley. Stanley, do not stay away from us. Barbara has spoken with him. Everybody's been asking about him because we haven't seen him in a minute, but he's been a little under the weather. 
send him some love today and let us reach out to Stanley, our beloved Stanley, because we want him to be healthful, healthy, and back with us, back online. Is that not right, Miss Celebrations by us, Mrs. Wells Shapiro? Yes, and we love our Stanley. He is such a gem. And let me tell you, Santita, Peter, at Celebrations by Us, we are rocking and rolling in this new year. So if you need anything, please give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We're still handling all of your catering needs, your peach cobbler, your banana pudding, your caramel cakes, as well as also your uh your food and decor. So give us a call at 708-526-4546. We have a couple of weekends open for uh, event setup uh, this month, and then we're rolling right into the holiday of uh, Valentine's Day. So we'll be busy for Valentine's Day. We can do uh, personal deliveries as well as also flowers and floral arrangements. So get your orders in at 708-526-4546. 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. But you but you're getting ready for the Super Bowl now, right? You take more to that. Yeah. Uh yeah, we're we're doing Super Bowl uh hors d'oeuvres. We usually do meatballs, we do uh sliders, we do uh beef sandwiches and wings, of course, because those are our most popular during uh Super Bowl. So you can put those orders in as well. So give us a call at 708-526-4546. All right. Don't forget Super Bowl. Thank you. <laughs> so there we go. Because that is going to go forward. Um, that is going to go forward as we um, continue to pray for DeMar Hamlin. We thank God that he is making, uh, there are signs of recovery. It's remarkable. But he has had remarkable attention. So many people who are felled by these sudden heart attacks do not get the attention that he deserved and that he received. You deserve to receive the same kind of attention that DeMar Hamlin has gotten. But we have to begin to look at health care in this country at Shapiro and Attorney Aaron Connolly and Attorney, and Attorney Daryl Jones. We have 330 million people at the very least, because you know everybody doesn't answer the census. And Shapiro, Attorney Jones, Attorney Connolly, 330 million people, we don't even have 100, we don't even have 1 million hospital beds. We're closing hospitals. Are you serious right now? Yeah. We don't, we don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nurses. We don't have, they don't have enough support staff. You don't have enough people who can clean the hospitals. But I tell you what, they can't do anything if the hospital is not cleaned and sanitized. And you need to pay the people who clean the hospital much more than you do. And you need to give them rigorous training. Pearl, I know you've got something to say about it. Is she still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, I had to put myself on mute. But uh, for January 6th, Santita, I mean, I just think that, you know, we are in a crazy, crazy time. And I'm sitting here listening to the news, and I'm still in shock two years later that this actually happened and that these people are still walking around alive. You know, I just couldn't see this happening in America. But what we're seeing right now on the Hill today is this, like, you know, I always refer to the Bible, you know, when it talks about uh, a divided house can never stand. And that's what we're seeing right now. I'm like, how are we the strongest country in the world and we don't have leadership? 
what are we doing? And then with with Kevin McCarthy continuing to uh, get voted down, voted down, I'm like, what's the end game? That's what we need to figure out. What's the bottom line? Because if Hakeem Jeffries has been has won eleven consecutive uh, votes, I mean, at, at some point, is there a clause in the Constitution that say, hey, whoever won all these many times, we can just go ahead with no. No, you want to think about it. You don't even have that for the presidency, Shapiro. Our founding fathers did not support a full democracy. They supported a limited one. They supported a republic, a constitutional republic, as opposed to a constitutional monarchy. We have to take, we're the ones who now, we can't stay stuck in the 1700s. We've got to pick up the banner and move forward ourselves. Right. I mean, now we have to. Okay, understand what it's not because you know that's it. No, no, but I mean, I'm just saying we need to understand Shapiro. But Shapiro, wait a minute. We have to understand Shapiro. Wait a minute. We have to understand the kind of government that we have on paper. If we don't understand that, we cannot really, we can't really move this ball forward, Shapiro. Very quickly, there might be some hidden in there because Trump found every loophole, every ounce of uh, legislation that he could finagle, he found it. Mm-hmm. I bet you there's something in there that they say that we could go ahead and see Hakeem. We just got to find it. Well, no, uh, look, I was, and then they could have seated Al Gore because he won. They could have seated Hillary. The majority does not rule in this country. Now, what we have to do is make a decision that the majority should rule. Because if the majority ruled, Hakeem Jeffries would be the Speaker of the House right now. Because yeah. that's how the vote settled out. It settled out 11 times that way. My father made that point. Because, look, let me tell you, he might be speaking slower, but he sure is sharp. Attorney Gerald Jones and Attorney Aaron Connolly, and you can attest to that. His mind is as sharp as ever. He said, you know, and he just said, you have to listen to every little thing he says. He said, this majority rule, and he told, told uh, Leader Jeffries that uh, yesterday. He said, you know, if majority rule, you, you'd be speaker right now. We'd be in another office. And he just, he, just, he said, Reverend, he said, I'm just saying. And a special shout out to, uh, to Leader Hakeem Jeffries, who has really embraced Congressman-elect and Leader-elect Jeffries. He has really embraced uh, uh, Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson. And I just, on a personal note, want to thank him for being so kind uh, to the Congressman and to my baby brother. So let me, let's proceed. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, Shapiro, burn it, burn it up. I know she is. Everyone, I want you to call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCP. And I also want you to send some love to Stanley today. He is our guy. He's been away from us for a couple of days. People were worried about him. And then we found that Barbara spoke with him. He's been under the weather. Send him some love today. Send him some love today. And um, we want you back, Stanley. We want you back really fast. And we want you, if you can, peek in. Just say that you're doing all right, that you're feeling better, and let us know if you want your pearl to bring some soup over to you. Because we're that kind of family. The morning stars are on the Santita Jackson Show. Attorney Gerald Jones, chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, uh, no more brilliant an advocate than we have for our voting rights than this man. And, of course, one of the top political organizers in this country saw our girl last night, um, <laughs> Congresswoman-elect Delia Ramirez and Congressman, well, Congressman-elect, because no one's been sworn in yet, uh, Chuy Garcia, Marjorie Taylor Greene, don't pass out Aaron Connolly. 
Hush, hush, Aaron. Be quiet. Let me, let, me, let me start with you. Let me because I told her I said you missed it because Aaron went out with mom and I and we had a great lunch yesterday. Didn't we have a great lunch? Wasn't that great? It was wonderful. And and Daryl missed it too, but that's all right. So what do you make of where we are? With we have had now eleven rounds of voting. We've not had this many since um in one hundred and sixty four years now. We've had we passed a new record and um and I made note of the fact, attorneys Jones and Connolly, that nineteen twenty three, if we just go back one hundred years, that was a gilded age. A time of tremendous political dynamism and social instability. Um we do had People who were openly communist, openly socialist, openly this, openly that. You had everything because you had such you had such a small number of extreme wealth and so many growing masses of extremely poor people. Think about that, everybody. Think about think back to the twenties when you had child you had to establish child labor laws. I mean, all of these things. And this is not a hundred years out of slavery. Not even barely fifty years out of slavery. America was still growing, and it was still on the on the books. You didn't have the right to equal the equality that we are that we have received today, and that we're continuing to push for. And so, I mean, what did you what do you make of this? Listen, left in rounds of voting. I mean, what, what, what do you think is going on? I mean, and with George Santos, someone who flipped a Democratic district under false circumstances, Aaron, we don't even know who he is. We don't even know if that's his real name. Attorney Connolly? Sorry, Cantita. I was snuggling with my my little niece this morning. Needed <laughs> to make sure. Um, and thank you so much for for yesterday. It was great to spend time with you and your mom and talk about these important issues. And I think we are in an age that is reflective of a, a new tech centered corporate focus. Um, I don't know if we can call it the second Gilded Age, but there's certainly some shine that doesn't fall down to the masses, right? And and, and that type of unrest, that type of division is, is very similar. And what we see reflected in the Republican Party is uh, complete chaos. And there isn't a sense of... Um, a central central goal for them, right? They're they're all looking at their individual um, interests and needs, and then we look at someone like George Santos, who um, my friend and I were having the conversation that I don't think a woman would would ever uh, be able to get away with those type of um, uh, lies in their resume and not be caught before before they're uh, you know a congressman elect uh, ready to be sworn in. So we see a different type of political landscape from every level, one that encourages folks who really aren't qualified, who um, who are able to, to spread lies like this and, and people believe and, and elect them. And then, you know, today is the anniversary of January 6th, and we have metal detectors removed from the House, from the Capitol. We have... Um, Wait a minute, just days ago, right? Just, just days, days ago, ago, just before this. Being taken taken out as I was walking with uh, the congresswoman-elect to take her first vote and was shocked to see those um, security measures being removed. And, you know, on a historic day, 
like today, where we should be in mourning for the officers who were lost, for the immense trauma that our um, elected representatives and their families went through. When I went through the Capitol tour a few months ago, and, you know, part of the tour now uh, was this is where, um, you know, uh, senators ran away. This is the hallway that, um, you know, the mob chased them through. This is now part of our history. And when we look at a day like today and we see these security measures taken out, we see this chaos that has an ensued in our in our government for over 150 some years we really have to ask some of our hard of the hard questions of what is history going to say about us what can we do to put pressure on our elected representatives to say this is enough is enough we need a, a strong line of succession in our government we need to make sure that someone is uh, making House rules that keep our folks safe. We need to make sure that our republic is strong. What does the rest of the world think about us as, as they look at us in this chaos? And, you know, I worry about our, our friends who, who work on the Hill, who are still waiting to be sworn in, and the apprehension that the staffers are feeling on an anniversary like today and not having some basic protections in place. Um, it's historic times that we are witnessing yet um very concerning if we don't if we don't make some better choices mm-hmm. attorney daryl jones i mean what do you think about this i mean I, now that i think about it walking into um i've been up to the hill two or three times now uh going into congressman uh, election Jackson's office, and it, see, you feel naked. And I worked—I worked on the Hill more than thirty years ago when I was in college, and it was tight. Security was tight then, and that was at that was still a time, Attorney Jones, when you could still drive. When they, Pennsylvania Avenue was still open, you could still drive in front of the White House. That's been closed off now, of course. But um, to remove these magnetometers, this massive layer of protection from the Hill. As soon as the Republican Congress takes over, they don't even have a speaker, but they remove that that layer of protection. That's insane. Well, you know, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly, Santita. You know, I, when I worked on the Hill, uh, it was, you know, obviously a little more open than it is now, but you did have... You know, a lot of protection that was there. You had the magnetometers that were there. You had everything that was there to make you feel protected. When you start removing some of those basic layers of protection, you become vulnerable and you feel vulnerable. You know, you start looking over your shoulder. You start wondering, you know, do I need to be concerned? So, you know, when you combined, uh, combine the moving of the magnetometers and, and the lowered security uh, that's going on, along with the dysfunction that you're seeing happen and, and, and play out on the House floor, you know, it makes you concerned. It makes you very nervous. You, know, you, you look at this and you start to wonder, you know, you've got to go through, we've got to go through at least two years of this, right? Be- before there's another election for Congress, there's at least two years of this uh, that's going on. If this is your starting point, you know, I, you know, I get really concerned about where we head from here, what direction we go in from here. And I think it's only appropriate, as you mentioned a little earlier, that you then throw in the mix, you know, the mess that's going on out of, you know, Long Island and Queens, New York with George Santos and whether, you know, what's going to happen there? You know, they're trying to get rid of the, the, the House Ethics Committee. 
Come on. You, know, you could not write this. Uh, you know, you couldn't imagine writing this type of script. This is just an incredible moment in time uh, as we're watching, really, uh, you know, a, a dysfunctional, I can't even call it a dysfunctional uh, House of Representatives because they can't get sworn in. They can't get sworn in. So it, it, it's really uh, disheartening. Uh, I think President Biden uh, put it best that it's embarrassing. Uh, uh, I think that, um, I, I, you know, uh, Hakeem Jeffries put it best. It's embarrassing. Uh, it, it needs to happen. Certainly the Democrats have shown that unity, all 212 uh, of them voting how many times? Well, well they were in our 12th ballot now, uh, you know, consistently uh, showing how government is supposed to operate. So this, this is concerning with regards to where we are right now uh, in the process of governing from the House of Representatives. Because the question is, in my mind right now, you know, Whenever they elect the Speaker of the House, whoever it's going to be, how are they going to govern? Because you know it has shown it, it's being shown to us that the uh, that that the uh, that the caucus that they put together certainly uh, is going to be disruptive of anything. How are they going to do a budget? You know, the, the, their biggest thing is the power of the purse. What are they going to do on the debt ceiling? You know, there are just so many concerns that are being presented uh, from from this Congress that you know that. That I, I know that I'm very concerned about it. Hmm. Everybody, what do you think? I want you to call us at 773-763-9278. Uh, at the top of the hour, I want to talk, I want us to dig down into Attorney Aaron Connolly, Attorney Daryl Jones, George Santos. The district from which he was elected is a traditionally is a, is a, is a district that is traditionally held or represented by Democrats. Uh, he was able to run this new fresh face, but he's run fraudulently. I mean, everything about his resume, everything about his CV was not true. It was just not true. We don't know who he is, and yet he is holding one of those precious votes that would be Speaker McCarthy needs. I mean, is it... Is that, how we're, is that how our government's supposed to work? What does it mean for us? Uh, do we believe the majority rule, yes or no? If we believe the majority rule, Hakeem Jeffries would be the Speaker of the House. I don't care who does because guess what? He has won every single vote. Attorney Connolly, every single vote. He has won each time by a greater margin than the man who's supposed to be speaker. So it's like they're buying time for him, Aaron, for, you know, for him to come up with these 18 votes that he needs. And he's losing votes, it seems like, every round. You know, I think we as Americans, attorneys Connolly and Jones, have to make a decision uh, that our founding fathers did not make. Do we believe in majority rule or not? Do we believe in democracy or not? They did not believe in a full democracy. They believed in a limited democracy, Aaron, Daryl. They did not. They just wanted to get away from being a monarchy. And I respect that. And that was great work. So they got into a constitutional republic. Now it's our job to get to the democracy, the full democracy, with majority rules. But we don't rule in a totalitarian fashion. Well, we begin to, well, we pull everybody in because everybody's got to win. That's what the great Lonnie Guineer talked about. God rest her soul. Brilliant, brilliant woman. I wish she could have been uh, in the Justice Department as one of our attorneys general. 
She said, look, the win-win politics, I win, you lose politics that we are practicing today, it's immature and it's not going to work. It's unsustainable. What we need is I win, you win. We need to have politics where everybody can win. Of course, the majority is going to get more because they want more votes. But you can't just discount people. Let's think about that. Let's think about that, everybody. Attorney Connolly, you've got 30 seconds for you and then 30 seconds for Attorney Jones. Well, goodness. <laughs> I mean, the, what, what, the you, can, you can deal with that on the other side. Or, you can deal with that on the other side. I mean, think about that. Because I just, I think that we're at an inflection point. We have to decide who we are, what it, and who we want, who we really not just want to be, who we need to be. Everybody in this American project did not have full rights when we got here. Not white people. If you were not a property white male, you didn't count. You didn't. Indigenous people had their land stolen from them. Black people were stolen from their land and brought you to work without pay. Not for free, without pay. And we've got to rectify that. You can play with critical race theory and all that. Look, I'm just saying tell, tell the history the way it happened. Otherwise, it's a lie. And the good news is I believe in redemption as a Christian. And for those of my brothers and sisters who are not Christian, that is fine with me. I think we all want a path to be better. Let's put it that way. We all want a path uh, to redemption. We all want that, and we all need that. And America needs that so that America can grow and so that America can be this true light, this true light unto all nations. America needs to become, in fact, what it is on paper. So let's think about that, everybody. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about George Santos. Should he be seated? He ran fraudulently. Should he be seated? What's going on with the speakership, everybody? Call me at 773. Call us at 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. Back in just a moment. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. Friday, January 6, 2022, AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I'm Santita Jackson. We're talking about... U.S. Speakership, what's going on there? Where do we go from here? John Nichols will be joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about that as well as we expand the conversation with Attorney Aaron Connolly and Attorney Daryl Jones and George Santos. Did you know that he uh, won a seat that was traditionally held by Democrats? And just because it's traditionally held by Democrats doesn't mean it needs to always be held by Democrats. That's not my point. But he did win a seat fraudulently. Because everything that he told, just about everything, everything that we now know that he told the voters about himself, this just not true. So what do you think about him being seated? And what do you think about this January 6th? What, two years later, what does this mean? Uh, attorney Aaron Connolly and I have spent a lot of time, we've been, we've been in Washington for the past few days. And one of the layers of protection 
one would need, uh, particularly on an anniversary such as just days before it's been removed, the magnetometers. And it does feel like a layer of protection has been removed when you go up on in these in these house office buildings. It does, you feel more vulnerable. Because it's like you just walk through, you know, a metal detector, you give them your purse, you give it, that's it. And then, and then you're in the building, that's it. It just doesn't feel as secured, as secured, not secure, because these Capitol Police officers put their lives on the line every day. They are our human line of defense against anything there. They are protecting the people in the building. They don't have the protections that they need. They don't have the equipment that they need to keep everybody, including themselves, safe. What do you think about that, everybody? Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-WCPT. Let's get some of these headlines so that we can get to the rest of the show, everybody. Today, January 6th, January 6th, 23 in Chicago, 35 degrees will be the high. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, 70 degrees will be the high, partly cloudy. Um, and in the NBA, the Bulls will be playing the 76ers. The Clippers will be playing the Timberwolves. And in the NHL, the Coyotes will be playing Chicago. Minnesota has the night off, everybody. Uh, we are looking at the last week in the NFL season. Tomorrow, the Chiefs will be playing the Raiders, the Titans will be playing the Jaguars, and the Browns will be playing the Steelers, sending them much love as they mourn the passing of the legendary Franco Harris. And dedicating our show to our beloved Stanley today, who's a little under the weather. We've been looking for you, Stanley. Glad to know that you're doing well, but next time you got to stick your head in and let us know what is going on, everybody. Call us at 773 763 9278 773 763 WCPT. Gotta send much love to my Nina Gagenheimer, and she sent me a wreath for Christmas. I love you, girls. I love everybody. But I thank you for that. I thank you for that, everybody. Some of the headlines are still no speaker after 11 votes. After 11 votes, there are still not 218 votes for. Speaker McCarthy, do we have a democracy or not? The majority rules in a democracy don't quite have that because after he suffered the string of defeats, that Hakeem Jeffries had won every single time by widening margins. Hmm. Uh, this this still buys time for a GOP leader, uh, Kevin McCarthy, to bargain with 20 people, 20 dissenters. Um, so what do you think about that? Call me at 773-763-9278. The fight for the gavel drags on. It's become the longest speaker contest in 164 years. Today marks the two years since the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. Security officials are preparing for a wave of planned protests in the area. Uh, multiple sources tell CNN that the U.S. Capitol Police will have civil dis- disturbance units on standby for civil protests on the Capitol round. All 32 teams in the NFL are set for their final schedule. Regular season games this weekend, but many players across the league are contemplating an emotional return 
in the wake of Damar, or excuse me, Damar, um, Hamlin's mid-game cardiac arrest. The 24-year-old 24, 24 safety for the Buffalo Bills is awake in a, in a Cincinnati hospital, steadily making progress. He's neurologically sound, according to his doctors, and is moving his hands and feet. And we thank God for that. We still need to know what happened with him, everybody. So those are just some of the headlines. I want you to... Step back and let's think about some financial freedom, everybody. So much of the instability in our country is being driven by the fact that so many people don't have enough money to make it from day to day. Uh, 63% of Americans do not, are living from paycheck to paycheck. Nearly half of Americans who make $100,000 a year or more are living paycheck to paycheck. Such is uh, the state of the United States and how much it costs to live here. So, into the breach steps, Team Hochberg. Everybody, are you using your debit card? Well, you really need to be using a credit card. You say you don't have enough credit, call Team Hochberg. If you have a credit card and you've got massive debt, you don't want to negotiate with this credit card company. You need to call Team Hochberg. If you want to buy a house, but you say, I don't have the right credit, you know who can help you to get your credit together? Team Hochberg. If you have a house that's facing foreclosure, call Team Hochberg. If you need to get a loan that you've already been turned down for a loan, call Team Hochberg. Call them at 855-56-DAVID. 855-56-DAVID or go to 56david.com. But I would encourage you to call them because if you do call them, you'll get a free consultation. Tell them everything. They've heard it all. And when you tell them everything, they can come back to you with a plan that will help you to get on your feet financially. It happened to Tom and Sonia. 17 credit cards, $100,000 worth of debt on these credit cards, two children, and a house that they were about to lose to foreclosure. Well, guess what? They reached out to Team Hochberg. They said it can't hurt anything. To them, it sounded too good to be true, but it turns out it was so good because it turned out to be true. When they called, they were able to have Team Hochberg negotiate with these credit card companies and bring down their payments by $3,000, but more than $2,800. They were able to save their house. They were able to secure a loan for them. That could be you. Call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or go to 56david.com and take off those shackles, everybody. So let's get right to it. I want to find out from you what, uh, I feel like we're at an inflection point before we go into George Santos. I asked you this question and you said, you know, Attorney Jones and Attorney Connolly, I need a little time to think this through. And that's fine with me because I think, um, you know, I, Robert says, why should anyone respect Lucy McCarthy? You know what? I'll tell you this. Don't become what you what you say you don't want others to be. We have to be mature in our politics. Don't become the worst that you see in others. You continue to rise. You continue to be bigger. If you're the only big person in the room, that's enough. I'm always going to respect people. The Bible tells me to love people, and inherent in love is respect. It's not a suggestion. It's the command, everybody. It's a commandment. So as people, even as people, Dr. King taught us that even as people heap love on you, you heap hate upon you, you love them. As people disrespect you, you respect them. And they will try your soul. But let's not do that. 
no, 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 I'm not going to sign up for that. No, 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 I hear you, Robert, I love you, but I'm not going to do that. I am going to elevate this thing, and I'm going to try and help people grow, including myself. It's a lesson for me, too. So let's think about that, everybody. Let's talk about just where we are. Where we are, I mean, what do we want to be? Because, I mean, that's a question that we're constantly asking and answering. You know, whether we are consciously aware of it or not, Attorney uh, Connolly and Attorney Jones, because, I mean, I don't think we really even really understand the, the kind of government that we have and what we're supposed to do with it. I mean, that's why the, you have a fight for voting rights. Because we don't quite understand how we got those rights. I'm starting with you, Aaron. I mean, where do we go from here? What is this, all of this, oh, boy, all of this activity and chaos, what does this indicate to you about who we are? Oh, Robert, I love you. I know you're going to try. We're all trying. I'm not saying these folks don't make me upset. I'm just saying, I, I you know, I don't want them to uh, to make me less than who I'm supposed to be. Just remember that. What's on your mind? Well, I think the thing that I take away from this is in the 11 votes we've seen for speaker, the Democrats have held their vote. They are united in their leadership. They're consistent in their voting. They haven't left the floor, right? There's major adjustments that will need to be made to, uh, you know, freshman congressmen schedules if uh, the vote goes on through the weekend as they're, you know, in a full sprint to, to get to work for the American people. So this just delays that work. That delays their, um, you know, movement forward. And, you know, it's frustrating to see, our government, you know, essentially at a standstill while the Republicans, uh, you know, as you said, a 20 person minority who has failed to really, you know, take seriously what they're doing because they haven't put to, put together a non-freedom caucus, centrist, maybe female candidate that people could actually vote for. Right. And, you know, that's that hasn't really happened in all of these votes. So they're not negotiating in good faith, it seems. And, you know, that's dangerous. And especially on, uh, you know, January 6th, um, it has other implications for what kind of, you know, delays we're going to see in governing once we get past this very basic thresholds, right, to even get started, to release funds, to do certain kinds of work, to take actual votes on the things you mentioned, like voting rights. You know, we probably won't see that in the House, given the leadership. But, you know, what I see in this is Democrats united under strong leadership and uh, ready to get to work for the American people, while we see an extreme contrast in, in the other side. And the longer this goes on, the longer you know, the image is ingrained into the public's mind that the Republicans can't even do the basics. And mm. that doesn't bode well for a, uh, you know, a tough political environment where we see, you know, the red wave didn't happen and they're taking losses. If they can't capitalize and get anything done, um, you know, the next election is going to be tough. It's so um, it's, it's, the political considerations are, are huge in this, right? And this is all happening on television. This is unprecedented. This is historic. This is this is not a headline that's going to be glossed over. So um, the longer it goes on, the the worse it is. Mm. Uh, Attorney General Jones, before we go to Azalea, 
um, your thoughts? Because I'm wondering if what Dwight McKee, Attorney Connolly, starting with you, Attorney Jones, said is true. You know, is this a tactic um, in part? I know Kevin McCarthy did not expect to lose 11 times, right? But um, that having been said, you know, they could, Republicans that came on campaign on this successfully, you know, let's, let's be very clear on that. Be very, very clear on that. But, um, you know, that having been said, um, you've got George Santos, Daryl, who is there fraudulently. Everything he said about himself, people, it's, it's not true. We don't even know. I wonder if they're, I know they're investigating his name. I mean, really, all jokes. I mean, it's not funny. And this is someone who is, who is slated to be seated. Daryl, how does, how does that work? I mean, he flipped a seat traditionally held by Democrats. Just because it's traditionally held by Democrats doesn't mean, mean that it always has to be so. But it's just like he's, he's there and it's, it's fraudulent. No, uh, you're, you're absolutely on point uh, on that, Santita. You know, we know that the district that, that uh, George Santos won uh, was a majority Democratic district uh, that he uh, that he won. And you know, interestingly, you know, one of the big points that uh, that you know consistently needs to be pointed out is that the voters were deceived. I mean, they were really deceived as to who mm-hmm. George Santos is. And the person they thought they were voting for uh, was not the person that he presented himself to be. And, you know, as a result of that, the voters now, the the folks that are in that third district uh, out in New York, uh, they've got to wonder, who did they elect? You know, what does he stand for? What does he support? Uh, You know, what are his values? Because all those things that are normally, you know, sort of ferreted out during the electoral process uh, were not in this case. And, you know, his his, uh, Democratic opponent in that election, uh, Zimmerman, uh, you know, he indicated that, you know, this, of course, wasn't the first time that Santos had run for that congressional seat. This was the second time he had run for the congressional seat, but that a lot of the information about uh, Santos that apparently they were trying to put out with the opposition research and... I guess it just didn't take, the folks didn't get the information, but whatever the situation, we know that, you know, Santos won by what, eight percentage points or something like that. Mm-hmm. So now you have, you know, this, this elected member of Congress that the members of the community, the members of his district, the voters have no idea who he really is and what he really stands for. And so it really was a, a big con is what it was, a big con to get to the seat. And the question is, you know, how, how do you then have justice uh, with regards to removing him? And that's where all the federal investigations now come in to try to put the pressure on him to try to resign. That's why he's sitting up. No one wants to sit next to him in, in, the, House, in the House of Representatives. He's sitting off, uh, you know, in the seat by himself because no one wants to be around him. So it, it's a it's really a, a horrible situation that the, the – that third district in New York finds itself in, and it's got to be corrected. It just has to be. Absolutely, but I think the voters should rebel. You know, they shouldn't wait on anybody else. They, they voted him in. They should, they should have filed petitions and say, you need to get out. You lied. I mean, honestly. You know, at some point, you know, putting this on it, that's what a democracy is about. That's what a constitutional republic is about. We, it's we the people. It's our government. And we allow this to go on if you allow someone like him to be seated. That's just shameful. 
It's shameful. Let me go to well, and Santita, uh, Santita, can I just add really quickly on this? That the Republican Party bears some responsibility here. Everybody knows that in a race like this, the party, the folks that really are in charge of, you know, candidate recruitment have some say as far as like opposition research of their own candidates to ensure that these candidates are viable. So I want to see what the Republican Party knew about George Santos, because I know if this was my candidate, I would have had this information and I would not have run this. Right. So you know they knew. Um, you, know, I, you know they knew. Right. You know they knew who he was. So, so I think we need some answers there. I think they need to take some accountability, mm-hmm. and I think it needs to go beyond him resigning. And we need to look at their process and say, this is a person you've allowed to represent your party. Your part of your job is to vet if you knew that there was anything fraudulent or criminal, as it's been alleged. It's certainly unethical that they are, you know, accountable in some way for this. So I think that is one step this conversation. And I agree with you, Aaron, as, as well as Antiva. And it goes one step further because it's going to be another test of this Congress because the House Ethics Commission will be the one that can go ahead and continue an investigation into the Santos matter. And the question is, will they do it? Will they do the right thing? And that's the real question here. Well, you know, we're going to see Adeline from Villa Park. How you doing? Happy New Year. Good morning, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, he talked about the ethics committee. Well, they're not, they, the ethics committee cannot even operate because, it's, you know, they're not operating right now. But um, I, was, I was, if we look at what the Republicans did to try to get Trump you know, back into the White House, I'm wondering, uh, is there any, you know, end to what they will do? And I'm wondering if they're going, honestly, this may be way out in left field, but if they're going through all of this so that Trump can be the speaker, because they have been talking about him being speaker. So I'm Mm -hmm. just wondering, what are they doing? You know, because they usually are, uh, you know, they usually are uh, more together in a way than the Democrats. They just, they just come together and, you know, they're against everybody and it's them. But right now, it's just something strange going on with this. Mm-hmm. That's just my take on it. I, I'm, you know, I'm just wondering. I don't trust them at all. So that's just, that's just no, no, no. That it's a lot because it does feel very strange. It, it does feel strange, but, you know, I know that there is a backstory always, Miss Anthony. Um, I get that. And I know some things are above my pay grade. This is above my pay grade, but I know something else is going on um, because the speakership is too important, too important. Our budget is controlled by the House of Representatives. The speaker is the third in line of succession to the presidency. Okay, so what are you all doing? But when you have this kind of um, when you have this kind of chaos, uh, something I, I don't I don't feel comfortable with this. But I do know that uh, I think Democrats need to seize the moment, attorneys Connolly and Jones, and and to, and and have another craft another message. They need to say, okay, now we need to start looking at what a democracy really means. Because in a democracy, Daryl, majority wins. Which means Hakeem Jeffries would be seated as a speaker. He keeps he beat him every time, every single time. Thirty seconds for you, Daryl. 
No, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, Jamie Raskin uh, out of Maryland certainly uh, laid it out very clearly that, you know, we do need to focus on, on the majority and that the majority, uh, you know, whoever gets the most votes uh, should be the person that's elected to the position. So, you know, uh, you know I, I think it's completely there. And, it's, and I think it's consistent with what the American people want. We want the person with the most votes to win, period. That's it. End of game. Go home. Thank you. I don't, you know, I'm sitting up here in this hotel. You folks and you call me at this time. I don't even want to call. I don't even, you know, you guys, I've been so blessed. I've never used an alarm clock in my life. If the Lord meets me, meets me up at 2 o'clock, I get up at 1.45. Well, I'm awakening at 1.45. That'll happen. Only time I oversleep is when I'm ill. Praise God for that. So, I don't know why you're calling me hotel, but it's all right. <laughs> John Nichols joins us in just a minute on the Ted Gina Jackson show. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. We are still in Washington, uh, having experienced 11 rounds of voting. We still do not have a main speaker uh, of the U.S. House of Representatives, although Hakeem Jeffries, by more than a handful of votes, has won each round. He's gotten more votes than the person we presume to be the speaker. It's almost as if they're buying time for him to make uh, deals with his caucus. And I'm just like, if either we believe in a democracy or not, John Nichols, you know, are we going to be majority rule or not? Because uh, he's won the majority of the vote. And that's a point that Reverend Jackson made to speaker. And she said, I would be leader because none of no one is, everybody's a congressman elect, a congresswoman elect. Everybody's the, the leader-elect at this point, because you do not have a seated Speaker of the House. No one has been sworn in yet. You have committee members who are have, who are in line for briefings at the White House who can't get into the White House because they are not on committees. The committees have not been formed yet. I mean, and this has global implications economically. The world still depends more or less on, now more or less than more, on the American dollar. We're still the strongest economy in the world, the biggest. Still, well, actually, China is, according to McKinsey. But that's another story that came out last year, so it's, or the year before last. So it's something for us to think about um, as we look at uh, to join the attorney, uh, attorney Aaron Connolly and attorney Daryl Jones. Is John Nichols, national correspondent for The Nation magazine. He continues to tweak us, Aaron. He's like, you still in Washington? Uh-huh. Uh, just kidding. He just keeps... Yanking our chains, uh, Aaron. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm still in Washington. I'm waiting to see my yeah. brother get sworn in. I'm very hopeful. Ever like, wish that. I got to get back to Chicago at some point. But now it's January 6th, and we didn't want to quite leave now because you've got this convergence of this history. You've got this history making moment now. You know, according to the CNN report, we have not had this many votes since in 164 years. Um, it's a whole lot going on. And you have George Santos, 
who's been seated, John. I mean, who? I mean, no one's moving to push it out. I'm wondering if they. I think they're going to get rid of the ethics committee. I mean, what? Who? First of all, what are we to make of all of these votes and the strength of the of the Democratic caucus too, and the fractiousness of the of the Republican caucus? I'm like, if 200 of you all want this guy, 20 of you say no. I, I, help me, John. <laughs> You've put it all on the table well, Santita, and uh, we do want you to get back to the Midwest. Chicago's got to elect a mayor soon, and there are many important things happening. The rest of the country so is we going to be last night. So, Chewy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The rest of the country is going forward with its business, but Washington is, I'm afraid, um, reinforcing many of the great frustrations that Americans have with the city. Unfortunately, it's not the whole of the city. It's not the Democrats who are showing unity. And actually, as Jamie Raskin uh, said to me the other day, um, you know, signaling that they're ready to govern. They're ready to, on behalf of economic and social and racial justice, to work to save the planet, to work to find paths to peace. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Republicans are unable to look beyond their own squabbles. And this is really the legacy of uh, some people say it's the legacy of Donald Trump. I would argue it's the legacy of um, the divisions that go back to around 2010 with the Tea Party, the rise of the Tea Party movement and the reaction to Barack Obama's election as president. And at that point, you saw and an extreme wing of the Republican Party step up, saying things and doing things that had until very recently before been seen as unacceptable, at least in the public sphere. And they were accepted. And one of the people that accepted them all the way back in 2010 was Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin McCarthy has for you know, now well over a decade been different to the extreme wing of his party. He hasn't sought to uh, have control over the House caucus. He hasn't sought to guide the caucus toward any kind of mainstream republicanism. Uh, he hasn't sought to, to guide it toward mainstream conservatism. He has again and again bowed and deferred to those who make demands that, that really are about shutting down government, that about making government dysfunctional. And so it shouldn't be any surprise at all, that this has come back to bite him. Now he wants to be Speaker of the House. Now he wants power. Well, the people that he empowered over the last 12 years are saying, no, no, we want the power. And that's what this is really about. And I think people need to understand it in that context. What we are witnessing with vote after vote for the speakership is a battle for control of the Republican Party, which, like it or not, has a narrow domination of the House. And that battle for control of the Republican Party is being waged by a tiny portion of the party, about maybe 9, 10 percent of the, of the House caucus. But because of that narrow control, they are able to constantly extract more concessions from Kevin McCarthy. And the fact of the matter is, this isn't going to stop. Whether McCarthy gets the speakership or not, whether it's handed on to Steve Scalise or someone else, you have a situation with the House Republican Caucus, that it will be deferring to its most extreme wing because they have shown that they will not go along 
uh, with the basics of organizing the House. This is a crisis for the House. It means that the House will be dysfunctional for the next two years. And I'm sorry about that because so many brilliant new people are, are there ready to serve. People like Jonathan Jackson and Summer Lee and Greg Casardelia Ramirez, as well as many more senior members. These are Democrats who want to serve. And I'll tell you, there are some Republicans who want to serve Elf, uh, but they're in a situation now because of what their leadership has done, not just this year, not just last year, but over many years uh, to defer its extremes. This is going to be a problem for the next two years, and it's going to affect the nation. But I'll say one last thing. It sends a signal to the country, and I hope Americans are paying close attention. Because the fact of the matter is, there is an easy way to solve this. Can't be resolved today, can't be resolved tomorrow, not next week. But there is an easy way to resolve it in November of 24. That is to give power to a party that actually wants to govern. That is clearly united in its commitment to govern. And there's been a lot of talk about divisions within the Democratic Party. And there are clearly people within the Democratic Party who disagree with one another. That, that is true. But when it comes to organizing Congress and seeking to do you know, the basics of governing, the Democrats this week have shown that, that that's what they're about. The Republicans have shown that what they're about is chaos and dysfunction. Well, what does this group of 20, what do they, what do they want? So it's actually, I mean, you, you have 200 people. You have 200 people who said, you know what, I don't agree, I don't agree with him about everything, but he's got my vote. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who in a now famous Twitter picture, you know, greeted Reverend Jackson very respectfully, warmly last night as she came off the floor. Who um, outside of chambers because we went by to see speak, uh, excuse me, speaker Freudian slip, um, <laughs> uh, leader elect Hakeem Jeffries. Um, you know, I'm sure he has promised her some, you know, elevation and leadership, which is fine because that is just the horse trading of politics, everybody. That's the way it worked. What do they want? What does Matt Gates want? What do they want, John? They want control. They're holding up all of government, 20 people. Yep. That's, that's it. I know. And it's just, but this is one of the challenges, and this is one of the challenges of our two-party system. Now, many countries in the world have a multi-party system, and you build coalitions. And if uh, one party or one group or one faction doesn't want to work uh, with the process, you you isolate them and you work with others. In our two-party system, we've got a circumstance where when one party gets narrow control of Congress, if it is not united on the basics of governing, and the Republican Party is not united on the basics of governing, uh, a small faction can disrupt things, can, can, you know, really put things off the rails. And you ask, Santita, what do they want? The answer to that is actually pretty clear. What they want is veto power over the Republican leadership. They want to be able to say to the Republican leadership, you can do this or you can't do that. And you must do this or you must not do that. And they want that veto power to be set up in the rules so they can exercise it so that one member, Understand this, Santita. One member could force a uh, potential removal of the Speaker of the House if they object to what the Speaker is doing. So that their members are in key position. this handful, this faction, are in key positions on committees. 
And most importantly, when it comes time to fund the government, that they could force a shutdown of the government um, in order to advance their their agenda. And so they actually made it clear what they want. It's just that people have a hard time wrapping their head around that because most people think of governing as, you know, a process of compromises, a process of, you know, working disagree with to get a few things done. This faction doesn't want to do that. They want to leverage their tiny position in a party that has a narrow majority to have effectively control over the operation of the whole House of Representatives. This isn't, Santita, just about the Republicans. What this group of 20 is seeking to do is, via Republican control of the House, to effectively tell Democrats what they can do as well. The literally... Hold on one moment. Because these rules changes would be enacted, they would be, well, at least until someone changes them again, they'd be permanent. So if, if when, the, when the Democrats go back into power... These rules changes, you could have a Republican or someone call from the floor for the speaker's removal, and we'd be off to the races on that, right? Yeah, until the Democrats change that. If Democrats got control of the House, they could change the rules. Each House constitutes itself. So you have the ability to undo these rules. This is really a, you know, an organizational struggle. But what this small faction is seeking to do is to get control of the House effectively uh, via this leverage position for the next two years. And if they have control of the House, Santita, then they effectively have control of federal governance, not in every sense, but because the House of Representatives is essential, because it's sort of core to control the purse strings for funding federal programs, they have a leverage position that affects control of the whole of federal government. So understand this bizarre circumstance that we as a country find ourselves in. We are in a position where less than 10% of one party that does not control the Senate, that does not control the White House, that barely controls the House of Representatives, is seeking to create a circumstance where they have effective veto power over what government, what the government of the United States does. And until Republicans in leadership positions in the House recognize the seriousness of this crisis and put aside their own personal ambition. And that's what this is about. Kevin McCarthy is ambitious to be speaker. If he doesn't do it, he's got a couple people around him who are ambitious to be speaker, but and willing to do so with all these compromises until they put aside their ambitions and actually do the business of the country, which would mean, which would mean accepting a circumstance where the Republican caucus would work in coalition with Democrats to organize the House until they isolate this portion of their own party and put the country ahead of these petty personal battles. Um, this crisis will continue. What will this, you know, I'm going to pass this around. Just stay right there. Uh, we're talking with John Nichols, national correspondent for national, for the nation magazine. Of course, he's with us every Tuesday at seven thirty central standard time, eight thirty. Eastern Standard Time. What would this mean for voting rights for the next couple of years, uh, Daryl, and going into 2024? Yeah, you know, Santina, in essence, what it's really going to mean is it's going to be nearly impossible to get anything dealing with voting rights 
through uh, the House of Representatives, uh, just given uh, its makeup. And so the concentration then for uh, voting rights advocates, we, of course, we don't give up on, on pushing uh, on the federal level for voting rights, but the concentration then becomes uh, on on the state level and trying to be certain that states impose uh, you know certain legislation to promote and make it easier for people to be able to access uh, the ability to be able to to vote uh, without you know interference. You know that that's one of the pieces that's there. The, the unfortunate side of it is when we're dealing with a lot of the voting rights issue, what what would make sense is to have voting rights that standardize across the country, and you, that's done on a federal level by saying that you know these these are the parameters from which you've got to operate within. These are the rights that must be respected and the methods that must be put in place. But that can only come from the federal level. And that's not going to happen given the makeup of this Congress. So, you know, on the voting rights perspective, that's that's what's happening. Uh, and those are going to be the challenges uh, uh, that we face. And, you know, one of the things that John, I think, very correctly uh, was, was, was pointing out, that, of course, everything he says is always correct, was that, you know, this is really uh, an investment of what the Republican Party has been pushing on. But McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, or perhaps Speaker McCarthy, had been pushing on with regards to, you know, putting the, the, the finger in the ointment, the fly in the ointment, the cog in the wheel, trying to disrupt the system. And so now they've gotten these folks in, in Congress that are doing what they were trying to do previously. They're disrupting the system. You know, the chickens are coming home to roost, as they say. You know, they've sowed these seeds of division, and now they're seeing them uh, uh, prosper within that body of the House of Representatives. Their, their whole purpose, I believe, is trying to stop the system. Just just be that cog in the wheel. And, and that's what January 6th was all about, was stopping the system. Stopping it because they didn't like what represented. They didn't like how the American people voted. That's what January 6th was all about. And that's what we're seeing now play out in the House of Representatives. They're trying to stop, stop uh, the, the system from operating as, as it's been designed to operate and force it over into another way. I mean, that, that's, that's just how I see it. Mm, next, through this session, what do you expect to see? This will get resolved. Attorney Aaron Connolly, this will get resolved. Um, well, what do you expect to see, and how do you maybe expect to see this play out in the states? Because you know now we're seeing that Carrie Lake out in Arizona, she could be a leading candidate for the U- for the U.S. Senate. Oh boy, um, it's just you know things are just so dynamic. I mean, how do you think this will play out? You know, in terms of governance over the next couple of years. Well, I think it'll be interesting to see which uh, of these 20 Republicans that are um, making these demands for key committee roles, um, where they end up. Right. I think that will determine um, the the broader uh, goal and theme of of our policy. And I think when we remember um a few of these Freedom Caucus members and their behavior uh, when the Ukrainian president was uh, in Washington, D.C., what that means for our foreign policy and some very serious implications with regards to the funding potential escalations, et cetera. So, um, you know, there's there's many different levels that, that this will impact our, our policy, our priorities, and um, the money that the federal government is able to spend to have an effective and functional government. As you mentioned, a big portion of the Republican agenda has been to 
limit the size of government, create chaos. Um, we look at the Postal Service, for example, right? Um, remember uh, what what the goal was there so and how that impacts voting rights. So let's let's consider, you know, all, all of uh, the, the impact here. And then as far as the states go, I think we saw some great gains for Democrats in important states. And, you know, we heard uh, Attorney Daryl Jones talk about how we, we need to look at voting rights. We need to look at protections for, um, you know, Illinois right now is considering an assault weapons ban in uh, in Springfield uh, that would have very serious uh, impact on, um, you know, that that portion of, of violent crime in, a, in our state. I think we need to look at those blue states, those newly uh, blue state legislatures and push those policies like voting rights, like, um, you know, some health care provisions, um, making it easier for folks to uh, get some extra help. We look at the uh, new policies in Cook County, for example, that is um, providing cash transfers to folks. So direct payments to get through what is still a very tough time for many families economically. So there's some big things we can do in the states, in the county level, and at our city level in the blue areas to make people's lives better. And the political impact of that, I think, um, is is great in states that um, have traditionally been uh, newly blue or back and forth to purple. As you mentioned, Arizona has a, has a big race coming up with a lot of uh, different elements. And um, we saw Debbie Stabenow say she's not running for re-election in the Senate in Michigan. So we have some key key leadership roles uh, in many states to to focus on as well. Mm, as you know, John Nichols, we're still here. Um, wondering their planned protest today. Of course, this is the second anniversary of January 6th. Um, they removed the magnetometers from the Hill. And um, so that's a big layer. Big, 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 big layer of protection uh, that we're now missing. Um, certainly, we're all praying for peaceful protest today because you have the right to protest. I do not have a problem with that. Um, yeah. And I support that always, always, always. But it's got to be peaceful, folks. got to be peaceful. And, you know, even as you uh, – uh, constructive criticism, John, I think is a great thing. But destruction is just like, – that's not a good thing unless it's poison. The last two and a half minutes belong to you. Well, I mean, what, are, what are we going to look at today and where do we go from here? Well, it's a fascinating day because obviously we can, we are on the anniversary of, of everything that happened in 2021, and yet our focus is on uh, a chaos not being pushed into the Congress from outside, but a chaos within the Congress itself. And that may tell us a little more than, than we might have imagined about you know how things have proceeded over the last few years. Uh, I think the Republican Party has changed dramatically, even, you know, over the last two years, two, three years. It is a different party. And that's not to say that it wasn't an extreme right-wing party before. It was. Um, this party has been compromising on basic issues of civil rights, you know, for, for many, many decades. It, this is a party that accepted Strom Thurmond back in 1964. So the, there's plenty to criticize. But I think what needs to be understood is that at this point, the Republican Party has for so long deferred to an extremist wing that does want chaos rather than governance, that it now is in a crisis position. And 
for this Congress, this current Congress, to be functional, you have to have a circumstance where those who identify as, whether you accept them as such or not, is your choice, but those who identify as responsible Republicans accept the crisis that's been created and seek to address it. And that means working with Democrats to organize a functional House of Representatives. I don't see that happening. I'm sad to say. And if that does not happen, then the chaos we are seeing will continue. And even if Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House, as it appears he continues to want to pursue that ambition, even if he becomes Speaker of the House, we will see an ongoing chaos. Because what this minority of Republican members is demanding is veto power over the decisions by the majority of their own caucus and as such by the majority of the House. This is a constitutional crisis. It is a real challenge for the republic because in this republic we are supposed to have elections, and when those elections are decided, we are supposed to have governance. And at this point, our chance to have governance is imperiled. So I I tell you we're in a difficult circumstance as a country, but we've been in difficult circumstances before, and hopefully this is a learning moment where Americans will see once and for all that when they vote, they have to vote for people who actually want to govern. Hmm. Amen to that, everybody. Pay attention to what's happening today. Um, It's the government of, for, and by us. Uh, We are the ones 